Well, hello again, everybody. Welcome back to the Husky Fan Podcast, a highly anticipated podcast. Jimmy, we weren't able to get this thing done last week, and uh, that was because uh, you OD'd on your Quaaludes. Is that right? I don't think that's what... That's not how I recall it. <laughs> yeah, well, because you, you OD'd on the Quaaludes, so I don't think you I don't think you would recall what Dude, happened. I can't... I, I cannot hear you. I, you are breaking up, dude. I haven't moved. Okay. I haven't moved. Okay. I, I missed a good section of that, but I think uh, you said something about quaaludes. I, I, I had nothing to do with them. <laughs> All righty. All righty, then. Uh <laughs> So, what are we going to talk about today? What do you want to talk about? Hey, this is your show, buddy. You start me off. You've been chomping at the bit to get this going. So, All right. Well, I just have to call out. I'm, I, I'm here to appease you and all your needs. All right. Well, <laughs> thank you. I'll keep that in mind for a, a later date. Uh, I just have to call out somebody uh, who goes by the handle Bando Man on Dogman. Bando Man? Yes, Bando Man on Dog Man. They made a recent post on December 4th. This needs to be discussed. His post says, Thank you, Sark. The Rose Bowl is the most important game. Sark took the job and we were lost. We could have ended up like Minnesota. We were 0-12 in 2008. He saw the opportunity. We're so lucky. It means so much. He laid the blueprint for Coach Pete to come in and take us to where we belong, competing for Pac-12 champions. Uh, and national championships. And, Jimmy, that's not all. I found another – there's other people in this thread who I just want to slap in the face. But <laughs> that's not all. I saw an even worse post, and it was also from the same guy. Grinnells was giving uh, Jen Cohen credit for, you know, hiring Peterson when we know that he oh. hired himself. Listen oh. to this. According to Bando, man, couldn't have said it better myself, Kim. Jen, Jen Cohen is as much the hero. We are so lucky to have her. Like who the who the fuck are these people, and where do they come up with these asinine thoughts? I I could not tell you where the Sark fluffing and the and the Cohen fluffing of this magnitude has come from because we know now that you know it was Pete's people reaching out that they just flew over to work out the details we've been over this topic so many times i i don't know how anyone could go back to the sark era and thank them for this rose bowl other than they're trying to troll or they're completely just out of touch with reality and have nothing better to do with their lives than make up absolute bs that's absurd yeah, and on the way home from the uh, Pac-12 championship game, you know, I, I turned on the Hawks, and Hugh Millen was also giving Jen Cohen credit for getting Peterson. And I almost drove off the road and did a Dennis <laughs> DeYoung into a tree. Did Did he mention how Sark did it the right way while he was at Washington? That the drunkard was was doing things the right way with the Washington program when when in fact we knew that he was basically just. Unfortunately, cheating on his wife and getting hammered and was probably drunk while at Washington. And, and, and Softy and Kim and these people continue 
to to prop this individual up as as a savior to the program and as a good person when we know in fact and if they want to blame it on a disease his drinking disease that is such a cop out i mean if you're seriously going to go down that route of well you know he had problems well you know what that's a failure on the UW administration a lot of failures but the to, but to pin it on that he has a problem and, you know, he had to take ownership of those problems and he and he you know it took a lot for him to get to the point where he appears to have righted the ship but i don't know how anyone could defend that guy yeah I mean, he blew so many opportunities like i i everyone's up for second chances we, we probably all agree on that but he has burned too many bridges yeah, and in regards to like, oh, he has a disease. I mean, the two of us and Road Dog as well, our shitty podcast, like we pointed out his behavioral issues. I mean, before the UW or even USC, did, any, right. re- did any research on it? Yep. No, absolutely. We were, we were way ahead of the curve on that whole thing. You know, it's, yeah, like, it's what, embarrassing. What? These are the people that, that run, that run, you know. Run the program and people that that have like vocal voices of the UW program. But back back to the fan, back to the fan base, and, and this is why what Softy says matters because a lot of fucking fans <laughs> and Dukes they they listen to him and Hugh Millen and they yeah. they take what they're saying, you know, as gospel, and they have so a, they have a, they have a big audience. That's why we have to cover the local media. And that's why this stuff matters because this is it, this is misinformation, you know. At best, at worst, it's disinformation being fed to Husky fans. I mean, I cannot believe this this Bando man and these other people in this thread. I mean, these people should be beaten to death with heavy clubs or pointed to the Aurora Bridge. I mean, for being this stupid, I just I I can't fathom how you come up with a guy who was the coach what like six fuck five fucking years ago. None of his players are on the roster. Everything had to be completely cleaned up. The whole program yeah, once had, he left. I mean, where the fuck do you come up with these asinine beliefs other than, you know, you're following what Hugh and Softy were saying? No, it's awful. I mean, look at the cleanup that, that Peterson had to do when he came in. Like, you know, changed changed the weight room philosophy. You know, they had, he had to kick Peters off the team. Uh, you know, he had to he had to do a lot of things to get things right, and it was uh, you know it was ugly early. Um, so you know, it's just uh, it's sick it's sickening, and you know that that platform needs to be blown up, basically. I mean, it's just to to put a group of people with that poor of thought and, and vision into the program. That whole thing needs to go needs to be blown up, and they need to be dispersed. And not be able to have a platform for that just that just dribble of poor just poor information, poor thought process. I mean, it's embarrassing. That is just uh, that is sickening. It, it is wrong. No one should be reading that about the program. It, it's seriously em- embarrassing. Yeah, and here's another thing because I want to turn this to the athletic department because there are some issues there. Uh, I don't know who called first, but when Jen Cohen found out Pete was in the market to move on. Even though she was only the assistant AD, from the stories I've heard, she was a driving force to get on a plane and go get him and not come home without him. She's been rock solid in her support of Coach Pete and his program. Is a big reason we don't have to worry every time a coaching job opens up. You know, give credit where credit's due. 
Like, give me a fucking break. I give her credit for hiring Hopkins. I think he's going to be good. You, we've talked about it, Jimmy. What really matters is you can, when Peterson retires, he's not going to be here for 20 years. When he retires, can she, can she keep it rolling and, and not have us trail off and, and have misses like we had during the Lambright years? That's what really matters. It's just the, the inflating of her bio and her accomplishments – I mean, what has she done other than hire Hopkins? I mean, the maybe the the uniforms, maybe they'll come in really good next year. Everybody will be happy. You know, that'll be a good thing. But, I mean, the, the, the marketing, we have no fucking brand. There's no brand awareness. The game day experience is horrible. you got this, this employee who's in charge of the game day experience, has Go Ducks on her profile. There's other employees who are talking about getting, you know, what color should the seats be. You know, I think black looks good. I mean... That 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 point. I mean, that filters up to the top, and whoever is in charge. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm glad that we're doing this pod after the uh, the TSIL guys, so they don't steal my shit uh, a- anymore. No, I'm just just playing Coker. DDY, shout out to you guys. Yeah, but they they did a break great breakdown on Chairgate, and and just the the fluffing that they put on on Twitter about how they, there was other employees mentioning that the black seats look great. Why in the world, why in God's green earth would you put black seats in Husky Stadium? Because it wears better? I mean, are you kidding? No, those need to be purple seats. I mean, this stuff is not hard. People with big salaries and big titles, they make things really hard. Uh, they want to think they're smart for some reason and, and make these decisions that really are not complicated. Yeah, it, it sounds like people who are working in the athletic department, I, I know that many of them, they're, they're not from here. So they don't, have, they don't have the passion that you or I do. However, Jimmy, they need to be sent to a re-education camp for a week. You know, before they continue with their job, because we're just we're we're not we're just we're not seeing it. We're we're not seeing hey, look, things Jess, improve. I, I was around the program very closely for a number of years, man, and I can tell you with authority. And I don't care. You can call me a blowhard, a wannabe, whatever. Like uh, I, I I I seriously don't care. But I can tell you from being very close to the program for many years. No one had the passion that you would expect out of that program. Um, I mean, this was a this is an in crowd. It's like a who's who deal. Who do you talk to? You know, who's leaving jackets in what office? Um, you know, it was all about posturing. This was about you know just <laughs> it was like a popularity contest within the program. I mean. Some of the the mindset and the talk within the program. I mean, granted, this was years ago. This is quite a year, quite a while ago. But there's still people in that time frame that are still within the program. Um, where, like, I I could tell you that there are people that are not, that do not bleed purple and gold, and don't think about the fans um, in the regard like you would expect them to. And uh, you know, it's unfortunate. Um, now, granted, it could be different now, but I know that there are still a lot of people uh, in, within that program, uh, within that athletic department that were there when I was there. And uh, it, it just blew me away, um, the attitude and the approach that a lot of people took internally. Um, but so, 
I, but I would say it's. I mean, the people who are hired, they don't necessarily have to believe have to believe purple and gold. I mean, if someone's hired from Florida or New York, they don't have to believe purple and gold to to do a good job. They just have to understand the history, what the brand is, and and what exactly they should be doing and what they should not be doing. And so, to me, who's ever in charge but of that? Some, I think there has to be a personal level there, like a personal purpose, in a sense, like. You know, look, I've worked a lot of jobs and people like, you know, you're going in there and get a, getting a paycheck and you might understand those things and you might really understand Mark. Like you could be a marketing guru, like you could put all those things together, but, you know, maybe you miss a, a, a small component because, you know, you just, you don't really care. You, you just know, like, you know, these pieces go here, this goes there. But that's not happening at Washington either, right? But that's that's a bad hire then. You got to find people yeah. that that it can actually show that they can care and actually can at least if they're not from the area, they didn't go to UW. At least someone who can take a little bit of pride in the opportunity to work for a great university and a great athletic department. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, that's there's there's no question about that. There's no question. The bottom line is is there's problems and they got to fix it. But, like that. <laughs> <laughs> that one uh, quick short on Twitter with just a, a vase of, of roses on the field that pans around them for about 20 seconds. What? <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, but like no no history lessons of the Rose Bowl history of Washington. No, no highlights of the 90s. No highlights of the Tui Rose Bowl. No, like, uh, you know, memory lane pieces of those games with former players. I mean, they got Greg Lewis right there. I mean, they could, they could sit Greg. You know, this is how lazy you could be in the whole process. You could just go and say, hey, Greg, we want to do a two-minute short about your experience in the Rose Bowl. Are you open to that? And then get Mario Bailey. Yeah, get Mario Bailey locally. I mean, um, it, it's not it's not difficult. Uh, so, I mean, you could talk to Damon. Here, here's another lazy thing. You could talk to Damon Heward. He was, what, in the program, what, two years later after that? After that run or a year or two? Yeah. I think he came in on, it came in in 93, didn't he? No, I think he came in in 91. He did? He came in in 91? Yeah, he was a redshirt, he was a redshirt in yeah, 91. That's right. Yeah, so, I mean, shoot, he could talk about what his memories were. I mean, they could get Lincoln Kennedy, get that lazy-ass Larry Scott to have Lincoln Kennedy get in front of him. <laughs> I'm telling you, like, like with technology and the way things work these days with video, I mean, you could you could piece things together very easily and, and, and put in minimal effort. Minimal effort. You put in a purple backdrop behind their head, <laughs> you put them in front of a chair, and you ask them eight questions, and you edit it up, and you're done. I mean that's that's how easy it could be. You could bring up some old footage. You could show the Mark Bruner touchdown. You could show the Etman guns, you know, in the Michigan game. You could show the Jaime Fields hit. I mean, th- there are so many opportunities to 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 dip back into the history and, and put it to the masses very uh, very easily. It's not it's not hard in this day and age. It's very easy. Yeah, and, and one of the Twitter accounts today it was talking about buying, you know, Purple Rain, you know, Purple Out the Rose Bowl, something like that. And then the link, you look at the things that are being sold, and there's just a couple of shirts, and they're black. 
<laughs> that doesn't make any fucking sense. Like, hello. I mean, how do how do you uh, how do you, <laughs> how do you get put two and two together there with the people that matter? Like, look, let purple rain, but let's link it to other colored clothing. Uh, are you kidding me? Yeah, the, the clothing options right now are just atrocious. To use yeah. your word, uh, yeah, it's embarrassing. Um, you know, you remember the playoff hoodie that you could buy that was two hundred and twenty-five bucks. That was light gray. Oh. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, how, how about a purple? How about a purple uh, zip-up hoodie? You know, if you want to charge 200 bucks, at least make it purple. Or make it a kick-ass gold. Yeah, I mean, this is, this is, just, this is just asinine. Yeah, you're juiced up, man. You got some. You got. You're fired up about Bando. Who is? You got to get. You got to find out who Bando. Well, is. he's the he's the Duke of the year right now. And and the thing of it is, man, if, if someone challenged him on that, you'd, you'd be probably banned. You'd probably be. You'd get timed out, and your and your rebuttal would be uh, would be uh, re- deleted. I'm assuming. Yeah, I might. I almost. I might just sign up for a new account just so I can reply in that thread and send some per- send some personal messages. I wish you would. I mean, that, it it needs to be done. This needs to be done. This has legs, Chess. This needs to be done. You need to you need to get into Bando's ass. You need to get up there, buddy. You need to let him know. Yeah, this is just it. It just pisses me what off so royally. What are we gonna do about it? We gotta get our faithful listeners to get out there and. Uh, you know, make change with anyone they know. Like, do not buy. How about this? Do not buy any new gear that is not the proper colors. Exactly. Anybody who's wearing anything that's not purple, okay. If it's gold, you'll get a stern talking to. If it's if it's gold, because we want it to be purple for for all sure. the videos of the Rose Bowl. But everybody wear purple. If you're not wearing purple, then you should then as a Husky fan, and you see somebody else not wearing purple. You need to punch them in the face and get rid of the black and, I don't know, just put it in the trash or give it to a homeless guy. Well, you know, the, the one way I guess you can you can make, you know, make a point is by not buying it. And if it's just, you know, you don't want to sit on inventory. But, look, if you go into the, 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 the new clothing store within the stadium, I mean, people in there are buying all the black and gray stuff. I mean, what? So, I, somehow, it, <laughs> the messaging needs to be uh, better. I mean, does Washington, did, did the marketing department, not want people to wear purple? They say they do, but then everything to buy is not purple. I think they're just looking forward to their Christmas vacation. Their Christmas vacation, and I think a, there was a tweet. I think about how the deadline was today for season tickets. Oh, yeah, yeah, typical. Yeah, and Dennis was like, "Hey, there's a Rose Bowl. Give me your money." <laughs> you know, no mention of the Rose Bowl, nothing. Just that it was deadline. He's like, "Yeah, okay, they just want your money," which is, uh, you know, of course they want the money. I mean, that fuels everything. But man, Jesus, titty, fucking Christ. Oof, man. Yeah. This is just... This really, to... piss, this really pisses me off. Just the, yeah, the sarc... Yeah, go ahead. 
No, no, the Sark thing is uh, is way out of line. That's just that that cannot that just cannot be tolerated. That that narrative, there's there's no place for that narrative in Husky football in this time right now. That is just so bad. Yeah, it's it's and it's not even that like I it's it's I, we don't like Sark. I dislike Sark. But what I would really really pisses me off is when people are not only defending him but actually praising him that's what this is praising him yeah for for what because he he went he basically (laughs) won seven games and he wasn't even there for the the ninth win right i mean that was tuiasa sopo remember when wilcox was you know the world yelling nine wins Nine wins, nine. I mean, Sark didn't even get the ninth win. He wasn't even there for the ninth win. And people want to prop this up for the job he did because he went five and seven after the zero and twelve season. Yeah, shout out to Auburn Dog because he's the only one in the thread making sense. And that's when you, you know, when Auburn Dog is the one in the thread making the most sense, you know that it's a dumpster fire of a thread. No offense to Auburn, but. Uh... Even though I did just give offense to. He's the only one making sense. He's like, not that it matters now, but I completely disagree. Sark went 5-4 and in the league consistently. Anyone other than Willingham could have done that with Washington's natural advantages, and then he chose to leave for another school. Sark left a handful of very talented players, but Peterson had to completely rebuild the culture of the program. This is 100% a Chris Peterson product. Wow. Good for him. That is that is a logical post right there. We'll give points for logic. <laughs> that's act. That's act excellent. Did anyone uh, disagree with that point? Even this one guy, you know, Sark was the greatest transition coach in the history of the pro. His teams were fun to watch, and he really elevated the energy. Yeah, well, what by doing the fucking lawnmower on the sidelines as you were losing by thirty on the, the road? Energy. Oh, because Johnny J was. Jumping up and hip butt butting uh, his players. <laughs> you there? Yeah, Sark had his demons, but he deserves another shot. He had a very gifted offensive mind schematically. Like, where the fuck do people come up with this bullshit? Like, where are they getting? This? I don't know. I understand this whole narrative around him just being <laughs> the, the genius, the, the offensive guru. That's only because Kirk Herbstreit said it. Yeah, I mean, Sark, he, he knows how to play the political game. He's done it really well. He's failed upward. But oh. a couple, all right, I mean, any, there's a couple other things I want to talk about. I don't want this to be like a huge Sark bash fest, even though a portion of yeah, our audience nice. really loves that. Okay, what, what's next? Um, okay, in, in local media, I, I think I wanted to point this out. Okay, one thing about Salk, which is disappointing about Salk, and see, he actually saw through the Sark bullshit. Like, that's why it sucks that he will not uh, comment legitimately on Husky football. Of course, when they're killing the Cougs, he always makes excuses. He's done that every year. But he was one He was one who saw through the Sark bullshit. So he's not a total idiot in that regard. But Brock Heward had a tweet about him and Jake Heaps were filling in for Salk. At some point last week, you know, ask us questions, blah, blah, blah. And I, t- I just tweeted kind of condescendingly. I said, oh, I guess you'll have more than 30 seconds to talk about college football. 
Hey, everybody. Welcome back to part two of uh, this great podcast. Jimmy, we'll the natives. Live. We'll do it live. Yeah, we're doing. Jimmy, the natives are really restless. I'm, I'm getting some nasty Twitter messages that we haven't been able to get this done. Well, you know, Chess, that's on you, pal. Because that's I, on you. Because I OD'd on my extends pills. <laughs> that's right. <clears throat> well, quickly, let, let's remind the faithful dogs, the faithful listeners, that the voice of the Huskies, Mr. Dave Softy Muller... And Mr. Kim Garinolds, who have a large voice in the Husky community, question Mr. Peterson for at least two years whether or not he would be able to recruit with the big guys. Would he be able to run with the big dogs of the Pac-12? Did he have the ability to recruit? This isn't the whack anymore. This is a Power 5 conference. Would he be able to compete in recruiting. Well, are we are we sort of getting an answer to that, Chest? Are we are we getting a glimpse into Pete's ability to recruit in the big powerful conference of the Pac-12 run by the all-powerful Larry Scott? Well, I, I think we are. I mean, we're just getting more affirmation of uh or more confirmation, I should say, more confirmation that Peterson and his staff are kick-ass recruiters. And the funny thing is, I mean, I don't want to get into it, but there are a few members of this staff that are not recruiting that well. So as well as we're recruiting right now, I mean, just imagine if we actually had, you know, a couple more coaches that were recruiting well rather than below average. Well, I I guess want to reiterate the fact, though, that, again, some of the biggest voices of Husky football are supporting, thanking Sark for the Rose Bowl, questioned Peterson on whether he could recruit at this level, and, you know, there hasn't been a lot of talk about it that at least I've seen. I haven't done a lot of research or investigation, but I don't know that Softy's made a ton of comments about uh, the recruiting class thus far this year. So I, I think the, the haters, the, the big voices of the dogs that were hating on Peterson early as a head coach and a recruiter, I think he's, uh, I think he's stepping up to the challenge. Absolutely right. And I liked how you got after him a bit on Twitter. Yeah. I mean, look at him and Kimmy G have uh we're, we're trumpeting the horn and they would get petros on or softy would have petros on and you know petros kind of laughed him off um in regards to his idea of whether he could recruit or not and you know petros was saying how boise state was able to be uh build sec type d lines and uh that's what we're uh seeing uh this year and look man we got the rose bowl coming up but we also got latu to commit today which is a fantastic commit for this defense and this program. Yeah, I don't know, were, were you record my thoughts on Letu? Yeah, we were trying to do this yesterday, but uh, we've been. I, I think it's somebody, you know, somebody from the deep state is, is hacking into uh, hacking <laughs> into our calls. They, they, they don't want our information and analysis to get out there. But uh, 
Brother, I, I love your film analysis, and that's why I implore you to do more of it. But, uh, yeah, Leitu Latu committed to the dogs today just a couple hours ago. Jimmy, give, give us your scintillating thoughts on this guy's film. Well, a couple things that stand out, obviously, is his size and his athleticism and the way he moves uh, on the field. I, I mean, a guy with that size... Uh, with his prowess, his ability to run people over, uh, his explosive ability to chase down a runner or the quarterback. It's almost like he's flexible on the field. He, he, he has this uh, incredible uh, ability to move his body at that size. Um, and you, you can already see the power there. Uh, and, and the athleticism is just off the charts. Um, and he hits really hard. He's got great instincts on the field. Uh, he's clearly not afraid of physicality. I mean, him at the buck position with his ability to get heat off the edge and then also play in space uh, with his skill set uh, athletically, uh, he should flourish uh, under the tutelage of our defensive staff. I'm very excited at his ability. I mean, you put him... With the D-line they're putting together, um, you're talking about an unbelievable front that, that would just, with the secondary that they're building, we're looking at a, you know an elite, potential elite defense with the size of the, the D-line and this guy Latu coming off the edge and his ability to play that role. Um, yeah, he is a... He is a freak of nature when it comes to his ability to move at his size. Yeah, I mean, the next couple of years, the D-line plus the outside linebackers, it's it's going to look really scary. It's going to be loaded with some big-time talent. And, I mean, you know you know they're going to be able to develop Nagata. You know, he's got to put on some weight, but he flashed this year. And that's, what you, want, that's, what, yeah, that's what you want to see out of the young guys. You just want to see them making some plays and showing some ability. And Nagata did that in limited time. You know, Tryon, he really came on at the end of the year. Uh, you know, those guys are going to get better. Then you got Latu coming in. And um, in addition to that, you know, Savelle Smalls next year, who hopefully we can get. I mean, when Savelle Smalls, assuming we can get him, when he's a freshman, I mean, he's <laughs> this, this front is going to be just loaded. I mean, you look at the guys we brought in last year. And then the D-line class, just for the interior this year that we're, we're bringing in is just ridiculous. I mean, it's the it's the best in the country, no doubt. And it's just, I, I mean, this this defensive line is setting up for like another 1990-91 type run. It, it just looks really scary. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, with 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 what the the talent they're bringing in and and the way they fit into the defensive scheme. Uh, yeah, I mean, we're talking about a potential of <laughs> a defense that you could only dream of in regards to what we had in the past. And, and you know, the Pac-12 is going to pay, baby. They're going to pay with this defense here in a few years. Yeah, I mean, if you bring in Savelle Smalls and, and you bring in that and you get Daniel Hamuli uh, in the mix in, in this class, um, wow, you are... Uh, you're you're talking just incredible. You're you know building that that depth that you want, the two deeps uh, at every position. Um, they're 
getting there. They're getting there. And, you know, if they were to get Danny the Hammer, and there's a good reason they call him the Hammer. Uh, that dude is, 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 is hunting, and when he find you, finds you, he hammers you. He makes you pay. That guy's got incredible uh, instincts on the field. Uh, and his ability to hit and his athleticism and his and the way he just moves through guys. I don't know, Chess. I'm getting I'm getting you know I me, mean? I'm getting a little worked up here, buddy. I'm I'm already ready for next year. Yeah, just bring it on. Have you have you gone from uh, have you gone from flaccid to uh, slightly erect yet? Like I have. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're we're getting there, buddy. We're getting there. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, Danny the Hammer. Um, and any other insights on his film? I know you gave us some already, but maybe you can dig a little bit deeper. Well, you can see that he's uh, he's always tracking the ball. Um, he, he sees well through defenders, obviously, at his size. I mean, I know he's at 6'2", 220, so you know, they might be fudging there a little bit on it on his measurables. But he's got really long arms, too. Um, you can just see that uh, he has the ability to just, I mean, obviously in high school and with his, you know, his strength and size, he's going to be able to bully guys. But his ability to play in space and, and look downfield and his size alone, I mean, he just, he's always looking, he's always tracking. Um, you can just tell that his football instincts are really strong. And, uh, his ability just to, to move in space along with his physicality, um, you know, within the within the tackles, um, you know, that's what you could only hope out of a linebacker. And he's he's six two two twenty five, so he's our and, and just from looking at the picture, it looks like he's already w- well built. Like he looks like he's a real solid two twenty five. Yeah, and and his arm span is is um is impressive as well. I mean, he hit. I mean, there's a reason they call him the hammer, man. Um, yeah, he's got really good reaction. Um, he reads really well. His footwork is outstanding. Even uh, you know his lateral movement. Um, he's got all the tools, obviously that you want out of a linebacker. And, and, and a- I mean, that talented. I mean, with the depth, like they they could tell him, look, you have an opportunity to play right away if you want to. Yeah, according to Dennis, it sounds like he's a heavy or a strong UW lean. Uh, like we were saying in our failed recording yesterday, uh, his team was playing in the state championship, so that's why he wasn't on the visit. Uh, so he'll be a guy who commits in January. But And he didn't go to a lot of those camps. So initially he wasn't rated as a four-star guy. So he's a guy that, um, you know, had he gone to more of these camps, I, I think he would be a much higher four-star than where he is. Well, let's, let's just hope he... <laughs> He becomes a dog. I wonder if he's an Adidas guy. Does he like Adidas? No idea. You know, you gotta get the you gotta get the kids that like Adidas. But let, let me let me ask you about another guy because I love your few on five star wide receivers, Kyle Ford. I mean, there were some rumblings. Maybe he committed to USC. I mean, weeks ago there were thoughts. I mean, even like the Oregon recruiting people thought he was a silent commit to UW. Uh, Brandon Huffman from 247, he even said that um, just a couple days ago he felt that UW was still the favorite, even though he was visiting USC. So uh, this, this is a guy that local TBSers, they, they really 
want us to get this guy a wide receiver. He's, he's a real playmaker, it looks like. Yeah, I, I don't watch film with five-star wide receivers. <laughs> I, I can already tell you what it looks like. <laughs> you know, a guy jumping up, catching everything, and, you know, within a few yards of him, outrunning guys, uh, taking slant routes to the house, um, juking guys all over the field. Yeah, I don't, I don't need to see five-star wide receiver footage. Uh, but, I mean, take me back to Austin Osborne, which I think who was a four-star. Or was he a high three? He was a four-star. That was some of the best wide receiver footage I've seen out of high school in a long time. Um, so I'll look at a four-star, three-star wide receiver, but I don't look at five-star wide receivers. I, 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 I got a pretty good idea of what they're able to do. Yeah, so Kyle Ford, according to uh, at LaMichael Corleone, um, so he's he's six two, I think two oh five or two ten. He's well built. Uh, he's very strong for his size, and he can really jump. And he, I guess, he's technically as far as route running and those things, he's very savvy. And so Lamichael believes that even though our offense is kind of complicated, that he's a he's a guy who will play for day one. Uh, no doubt. Complicated offense. Awesome. <laughs> but I'd always hear about our complicated offense. Well, it's, I mean, we've, we've gotten this question before about, you know, wide receivers and the offense being too complicated and wide receivers don't, you know, break in right away. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Yeah. No, it's, uh, Hopefully they can get over the complicated offense uh, theory, but because we only know that Jake Browning's able to run it. Only one more game for Jake Browning. Only one more game, but you know what, man? How hats off to Jake. I love his coog hating. You know, he uh, <laughs> he had some great things to say after the game. You know, that reminds me quickly. Dick Baird kind of got on him for talking a little smack on the interview after the Apple Cup. Like, you know, be polite now. But then Jimmy Lake gets on there and kind of rails on Leach and the defense and the offensive scheme, and, and Dick Bear doesn't say anything to Jimmy. But, oh, let's be polite, Jimmy. I don't know why he felt like he had to tell Browning to take it easy on the Cougs. That kind of pissed me off. I forgot to talk about that. But, you know, that's he's our Browning. He's our quarterback, man. He's... He's the winningest quarterback in what Pac-12 history. Oh yeah, as far as wins, thirty-nine. What's that? Yeah, I said as far as wins. I think what is it, thirty-nine or forty? Thirty-nine. I believe it's thirty-nine. Okay, let's do some addition. So he can, seven he plus seven plus uh, ten, twelve, ten. So twenty. Yeah, thirty-nine. You're right. You know, he's, he, let's hope uh, let's hope we can have obviously a big game on January first, yeah. and uh, you know he can go out on a, on a great note as a as a as a husky. Absolutely. But yeah, I mean, not to look ahead, but just I mean, this next year, I know everyone's handed the job to Eason, but look, there's going to be a quarterback competition. And, uh, you know, Dylan Morris is going to come in early. Uh, obviously, they got the, the younger Jakes. Um, and they got Hayner, and obviously Eason. Um, I mean, look, that that's going to be... 
I don't think any of those quarterbacks are going to try to are going to concede the job to Eason. I think all those guys are going to want to compete to play. It's just going to be kind of wild just to know that there's like there's going to be a prethla, a prethla. What is it? Plethora. Yeah, of of uh, quarterbacks uh, vying for the job. I mean, when, when can we remember uh, a quarterback uh, room like this? I mean, they had Billy Joe. Damon Hewitt and Mark Brunel. Yeah, hopefully it's more like that than uh, as opposed to when we had uh, Siler Miles, Lindquist, <laughs> and uh, Troy Williams. Wasn't but, Derek Brown in the mix at one point, too? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so, I mean, <laughs> who is Nick Montana? Go- oh, and there was Nick Montana and Keith Price, right? Yeah. You remember when they put in Nick Montana and pulled Keith Price in the uh, Oregon State game? Unfortunately, I do remember that. Yeah, that was so asinine. Oh, my God. Uh, anyway, not to go back to the painful memories of Sarkeesian. Um, he's the greatest, transi- he's the greatest get- transition coach in in history, like Jim Mora was for the Seahawks. Sark was a great transition coach. <laughs> yeah. Jim, yeah, yeah. Jim Mora should get lots of credit for laying the foundation for Pete Carroll. Yeah, that big four-win season he had. Yeah, it was, it was special. But brother, I want to just go back. I want to spit out some numbers. But hey, wait, Chess. Though, did they did they thank Mora for the Super Bowl for getting to the Super Bowl? No, they should. I mean, I, I maybe Softy can spend a whole segment on that. He should. Yeah, because he's he knows a lot about fluffing sports <laughs> figures. <laughs> But speaking of, I'd like to fluff our, I'd like to fluff our recruiting staff for the job that they've been doing. Because, okay, Jimmy. Well, just a little bit more recruiting info. You can look at my graphs on huskyfanpodcast.com, and I'm going to update these after the early signing day tomorrow. But excluding the kicker with Latu's commit, we are now up to number thirteen. In this class. In the previous two classes, we were number 12 and number 15. And so we are going to be one of only, let's say, 11 schools that has recruited in the top 15 in the last three years. So getting pretty close to the big time, brother. Well, and I think, uh, I don't know if we, we caught it on last night talking about this class as a whole, just the size uh, in the trenches. I mean, Tua Tele, 6'4", 300 DT, Jacob Bandes, 6'3", Bandes. Band- yeah, it, it, it sounded like you said Band-Aids. <laughs> <laughs> and then, obviously, I mean, you got uh, Julius Bellow at 6'8", 320, Kalepo, 6'6", 330, Sama Pa'ama, 6'5", 325, and then, of course, uh, there's one other big uh, offensive lineman, too. Um, Who did I miss? Oh, yeah, Kalepo, obviously, I already mentioned. Billo, I mean, talking really big individuals um, in the trenches, right? I mean, that just harkens the day of Lincoln Kennedy and Supi Mala Mala as your bookends, the Tony Coates, Benji Olsen, Crutes. You know, we're talking like uh, the Lions of old, my friend. The road graders. Graz, they look like Ohio State. 
<laughs> now it's actually true. It's actually now it's true. actually true. That's right. And I mean, and I I got a chance to to look at Trent McDuffie's film. Wow, what an athlete that guy is. Um, that dude is going to be a really good corner um, in this in this scheme, defensive scheme. That guy is a really really good football player. From the limited film I've watched of him, watched of him, he is awesome. That kid is going to be a baller. He's going to fit so well in the lake scheme. Really excited about McDuffie. That kid can ball. Well, it's, I mean, is, is there any... Uh, it just seems like it's all good news. Everything that's coming in, or has come in so far. Well, the you know, the only the only bad news is having to hear the Ducks talk smack about getting Thibodeau. Um, yeah, I'm sure that was, I'm sure that was a clean uh, clean deal there. <laughs> yeah, totally clean. Uh, I'm imagining the coffee cups came in in, in, a, in a in a bountiful matter. I mean, come on, Karan Thibodeau coming in shaking hands with Balls. I mean, you're thinking to yourself, "No way, dude! I'm not playing for this guy." Yeah, he's a meathead. He's just kind of a... I don't know. There's something off about that guy. Um, but anyway, uh, there is some... There is, I think... Was it Huffman reporting that uh, Asa Turner uh, is looking to flip to Notre Dame? Yeah, I mean, it's a fluid situation. I mean, from what, I've, from what I'm hearing, it sounds good that we'll keep him. But who the hell knows what will happen by the time people listen to this. So yeah, that's that's not uh, obviously. You certainly don't want to see Brian Kelly come in late and and snag um, a guy that you're in on. I think pretty early. They had, they were in on Asa Turner fairly early, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and people forget that Brian Kelly killed the guy. <laughs> what, what, excuse me. And Brian Kelly killed the guy. Uh, well, why don't you go into further detail? Um. It was that situation where some, this is, you know, when I'm always re- recounting things on this podcast, my details are always really fuzzy. Uh-huh. But the details on this are really shitty. Just Google it, people. He made some kid who had a job. He had to, like, record practice from up high or something, and it was a really windy day or something, and the kid, it was something like that. You know, he made the kid do it, and the kid, like, fell and died. Oh, I, I think I do remember that story. It's something like that. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's yeah, that was a really tragic situation. Yeah, I mean Brian Kelly. I mean he should pay for those sins. I mean, it, it, very it, it, could, serious. That's could, no could you could you ever imagine like Peterson, like making a kid do that? No, in in, in you know bad conditions, absolutely not. That's really. I don't want to turn this into a morbid conversation, but that's just really bad. On on to on to what we're here to talk about. Any other recruiting thoughts you want to you want to you want to cover? I mean, I mean, obviously. Hey, uh, you go ahead. I was going to say, obviously. I mean, you hate to say it, but there's always a class where a guy, a couple guys, maybe don't pan out, or there's transfer situations, or uh, you know. What have you? I mean, do we see anyone early that that might be um, 
that could get lost in the shuffle down the line. I mean, obviously, it's very difficult to predict. I think, obviously, Dylan Morris could be in an interesting situation. Yeah, the quarterbacks. Yeah. And then especially, well, I mean, when does Sam Heard, I know, is only a sophomore, right? He's got, what, two more years? Right. Um, so there's just so much competition at, at that role. I mean, maybe maybe a, one of, a Sermon or a, a Yankoff, maybe they find themselves uh, in a different situation uh, over the next couple of years. Yeah, it's definitely quite possible. But... You know that that's looking into the crystal ball. You know neither of us have that crystal ball, so to speak. So probably fruitless. But anyone you're concerned about so far from the commit list? Not really, to be honest. Uh, were you were you able to watch uh, Henry Two O film? No, I was not. But he's another. Gets everybody's saying he's going to go to Alabama, but he's a guy who. Maybe uh, Dennis really thinks that Alabama is not going to have room. Uh, so he's he's rated a 98. So he's a, he's a high four-star linebacker, even rated ahead of High Mooley. It doesn't mean that he's better than High Mooley, but getting I mean getting he he's a guy who we might be able to fall back into. And also, how many more slots do we have? That's a good question. I think probably three or four. And so there's Kyle Ford's out there. Um, two o two o and High Mooley, Drake Jackson as a defensive lineman. It sounds like we're not going to get Stefan Wright. So Drake Drake Jackson is a guy we could. I mean, we we could probably get three out of those four. Well, is that can we find that out tomorrow, or do we have to wait till January on a few of those guys? Uh, well, it sounds like uh, High Mooley. Uh, in Ford or, or January, guys. I don't know about 2020 or Jackson. Gotcha. Well, you know, to to just to briefly look back. Don't don't forget. I mean, last year we have Thule, who's played. I mean, six one three thirty eight when he came in. And they got Tam Tamani six two three twenty. Don't don't forget about those guys too. I mean, look at the size. That that they've brought in just I know they only had a couple guys last year. The the size and girth. The girth. I mean Bandes, could he Bandies, could he be a could he be another Greg Gaines? I mean he's probably I mean, that probably, guy probably better. Over three hundred pounds. Yeah, I mean we're we're gonna be absolutely loaded on the D line, brother. Oh yeah, it's a good, it's a good, it's a good time to be a dog, buddy. Fuck yeah, they do look like Ohio State. <laughs> <laughs> All right, where are we headed? Where are we going next? Let's. You want to run through some questions? Yeah. We'll run do you have any? You have any restaurant recommendations or wine recommendations? Restaurant or wine recommendation? I, I, I do have an underwear recommendation. So. Uh, so. If for all the dudes out there and all the all the all the two ladies that listen to this, if you want to buy your dude some underwear, <laughs> get Fruit of the Loom breathable long leg boxer briefs. I got them at Target. These are unbelievable. They really secure your junk nicely in the winter. Jeez. I'm serious. <laughs> these these are super comfortable. 
Yeah, hey, I, I don't doubt you. I bought three packs. What's that? I bought three packs. Well, you're set then. You're set. I'm fully, for, I'm fully set. loaded. Wow. Yeah. Oh, did we talk? And did we get in uh, Chairgate? Yeah, we did get in Chairgate. Okay, good. All right, we'll, we'll, we'll skip on that. What are the questions we got? I'll think on the. I'll think on the wine recommendation and the restaurant recommendation. Think about it. And quickly, shout out to Greg Gaines and Caleb McGarry for winning the Morris Trophy. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. Congratulations, guys. I mean, the Morris Trophy, it's the opposing opposing players are voting on that. So, I mean, that's like a, that's a pretty cool award. I'm sure they're listening. So we're, we're very proud of you both in, in your, your, uh, your awards. No, they killed it. Yeah. And despite what Mike Salk says, both of those guys and Gaskin are thrilled that they came back. Uh, 100%. That's right. I forgot about that. All right. Ready to hit some questions? Yes, sir. Why isn't UW still getting the respect it deserves from Pac-12 media and the national sports media? And be honest, does Mike Leach really not know who Jimmy Lake is? Jimmy, I'll take number one. I think that's just because the conference sucks. And so people are, when they're talking about the conference, they're just talking about, you know, the Pac-12 missed the playoff again. They're not very good. USC kind of sucks. Yeah, Washington's good. They won it. Blah, blah, blah. So it's just, they're not going to talk about us until we get into that top five again. Obviously, winning the Rose Bowl, that would be huge. Yeah, and I think, you know, obviously the fact that, that you got the East Coast bias and ESPN, um, you know, there's probably still some sour grapes over, you know, Herb Street in the whole Peterson comment, which was taken way out of context. Um, but until, until you know, they, they uh, I mean, look, they lost to Auburn. I mean, at least for this year, and you know they had they had three losses, right? I mean, there was a lot of talk about them being in the playoff hunt, but you know they had already written off Washington after that. I mean, look if they if they had uh, finished out the season with one loss uh, and winning the Pac-12, I mean, they may have been right there in the conversation, but. The Oregon game obviously hurt the conversation, and then obviously losing to Cal, um, like you're just going to lose interest. You're, you're not going to, you're not going to spend a lot of time talking about them after after a Cal loss. Yeah, I mean we we have to do better on the field to get that recognition, and this Rose Bowl game is a huge chance of that. Yeah, I mean the fact that. They'll be going against Ohio State, obviously. It's a New Year's Day bowl game. Um, yeah, they win that game. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of a uh, lot of discussion about them uh, w- w- with the returning players, and then the fact that I'm sure there'll be some media attention around Eason and his ability to to, to win the job coming from Georgia. You know, there's a storyline there, and you know ESPN and those media guys love love a storyline. And they love quarterbacks. And love quarterbacks. So um, that does, you know, does give an opportunity for them to cover, you know, uh, an SEC quarterback that goes back home to lead his, 
hometown dogs. And does Mike Leach really not know who Jimmy Lake is? Of course he knows who he is, right? Yeah, Jimmy? He knows who Jimmy Lake is. Yeah. All right, next question. I didn't get to watch the Ohio State-Purdue game. However, do you think UW can craft a game plan that replicates how Purdue exposed the Buckeyes? I, I think it's going to be difficult because Ohio State, I mean, Purdue may have caught them at the right time. In Ohio State, they turned things around at the very end of the year. Well, let's also it, talk about – but listen, there there was also tremendous, tremendous uh, – a motivation for the the Purdue team around uh, Trent Tyler. There are, yeah, the emotional advantage. The the kid who had you know terminal cancer, and uh, you know his prediction of, of the victory and, and them rallying around him, come seeing him uh, at his home, bedridden. Uh, that story they had on ESPN Game Day. Uh, there there was an emotional edge there that that. You know, frankly, it was fairly rare. And, and Purdue, uh, you know, they they were not a you know they didn't have the great record of the year, but they they had some players they're they're building there. Uh, yeah, as a, I mean, they just caught them at the right time, and they really did have a had had an emotional edge for that game. Playing at home, also. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm sick of like this thing, like oh, Ohio State players have faced so much adversity. Like is well, that is that real adversity? Well, what that that Urban had headaches or what? Yeah, like he didn't coach for a couple games, and yeah, they played bad against. Pur- I mean, it, that, that's not facing real adversity. Give me a fucking break. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not having their coach around. I mean, that they're obviously were comfortable with that Ryan Day guy. I don't, I don't, I don't. Yeah, understand. That's that's so fucking offensive. Oh, they faced a lot of adversity this year. Give me a fucking break. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I don't know what to tell you on that. Well, we'll get into it in the next pod. But Ohio State fans, wow, that's a real bad fan base. Oh yeah, they're they're the worst. The yeah. absolute worst. Yeah, I mean, I metrics guy and I, we went to the, we went to that game, two thousand three in Columbus. We were young dukes. I was I'll, there. I'll, yeah, I'll save the stories for the next pod. Sure. Yeah, um, I was there as well. So yeah, we can we can uh, compare yeah. stories. <laughs> Let's compare notes on that. Yeah. Okay. Next question: uh, A bunch of coaches' contracts are up at the end of the year. Who goes and who stays? Well, a, I, it, it sounds like Lubick. I mean, he hasn't done anything on Twitter for a while, and our wide receiver recruiting was not yeah. not that great this year. Bush is actually the one. Bush Hamden is the one who's recruiting Ford now. Kyle Ford. So Lubick. It, Good chance he's probably not back. Um, I think. <laughs> I mean, Bob Gregory doesn't. He doesn't. He have to go. Uh, I mean, it has not been a good year for Bobby. Yeah, and also Jordan Pow Pow. I mean, we are like recruiting our sixth or seventh guy at tight end. Like the tight end recruiting this cycle has. It's just. And he he is he has not gotten. And people say, yeah, he got Hunter Bryant, but he has not brought in a blue chip recruit from out of Washington, from outside of Washington. Yeah, I, I think he could certainly be in trouble. Um, I mean, I I know 
a lot of speculation around Jimmy Lake. I, I think he's going to continue to be at Washington. Yeah, I hope I, you're right, but I but I do think that. I think and I hope hope that's right. I, I think uh, you know Gregory and, and Lubick are in the most trouble. But hard, hard to know exactly. Yeah, I'd throw Pow Pow in there also. Yeah, put in Pow Pow. Put in Pow Pow on the list of we don't know. Yeah. Uh, have you done any research for good burgers to try during your roast bull trip? Uh, not really. I'm just, you know, I, I just like regular burgers. So I'm not, I'm just, a, 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 I'm a burger aficionado, but just for regular burgers. Look, you, so I'm not, I'm not the best person to ask these questions. Just in and out burger. I mean, yeah, in it, yeah, exactly. In and out burger. I mean, I'm sure there's other, there's, oh, there's a place, I think it's in Santa Monica called The Office. Very good burgers. Uh, I believe it's The Office. Do they have Whataburger down there in Southern California? I, you know, I had had that in, I had that in Arizona. That's awesome. Yeah, I think, uh, I think, yeah, I think you're good there, but, um, yeah, it's the, yeah, if you go to if you're in Santa Monica, go go to the office, get a burger there. You won't be disappointed. Next question: Can you remember a time where one game can shape one player's legacy, good or bad, like the Rose Bowl can for Browning? Say that again. What was it? Can you remember a time where one game can shape one player's legacy, like the Rose Bowl can for Browning? Man, are you, I, are you thinking, or did did I lose you again? No, I'm thinking. One game, maybe Jake Locker in the, uh, the Holiday USC. Bowl. Oh, that, or what about the USC game? I'm sorry, that burger joint in Santa Monica is Burger Burger Lounge. Burger Lounge? Yeah, not not the office. Burger Lounge. Anyway. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, Locker's career, I, I don't know. I, well, maybe, maybe the Holiday Bowl, because, I mean, if we lose that game, then we're 6-7, and seven, and, you know, he never had a winning record. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I'm... You know, maybe Warren Moon's legacy. What about Hugh Hugh Millen winning the Orange Bowl? They look like Ohio State Graz. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, if Jake gets it done on New Year's Day, um... one of the reasons I want that to happen is just how much it will pain Dennis. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, uh, well, I'll think of more on that if there's a specific game. or. But I think we came up with some good thoughts there. Well, what's next? UW has reached three straight New Year's Six Bulls. Where do you think we are in our run? Beginning, middle, or sadly, end? I would have to say, I think, uh, beginning. Beginning of the runs of New Year's Six Bulls? 
Well, just, uh, I mean, I, I guess our run in general. I, I think, oh man, we're going to be in, we're going to be in contention. You know, I think this year, I don't, I don't think we're a playoff team next, like this coming season, 2019, but 2020, 2021. Uh, I think they're going to contend for, for the four spot. Maybe they'll have eight spots by then. God, I hope not. <laughs> it's just a ridiculous idea. Oh, you know it's going to happen. You know that's happening. Yeah, but on another note, here's one thing that concerns me. I am my second favorite team next year will be USC. Why is that? Because I don't want them to get Urban Meyer. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I'm very scared of that happening. Well, but you know, why do you think Urban would go to USC? Because he could, he could be the only coach to win national championships at three schools. Mm-hmm. I mean, ha- has anybody done that? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think USC is probably the best job in college football, if you think about it. And that's because... It's because there's no blue blood who can compete with you in your conference. Yeah. Well, yeah, I... <laughs> yeah, Urban to USC would, you know, <laughs> wouldn't be great. I'll give you that. What's next? Okay, who starts in the defensive backfield next season? I think we covered this on the last pod. It sounds like Irvin might be the other safety. Yeah, I think Irvin's going to be the other safety. So then we have... Uh, McKinney. Right, McKinney and Irvin is the safeties, and the corners will be Keith Taylor. Keith Taylor. And Hampton, maybe? I mean, you're going to have... Gordon. Kyler. Yeah, you're going to have a lot of talented guys fighting for that spot. And then uh, the, the yeah, nickel I'm, will be Molden and Bryant. Molden's going to be... Yeah, man. Jeez. My goodness. All it's right. going to be crazy. Yeah. Next question. Okay. 2016, 17, and 18 teams. Which one had the most overall talent and ranked the teams in order of which was best, second, and then third? Uh, it's too much for me to think about. You can give it a first crack. Okay. 2016 had the most talent. Yeah. Um... And then I would rank them. Um, I would rank them 2016 number one, and then this year number two. Yeah. Because um, if you look at the advanced metrics, and and I want to have metrics guy on to talk about this at some point, but he he looks at everything together and then he combines it all to rank teams based on that. He calls it the metrics consensus and. Uh, the, some of the best wins in the Peterson era were this season. Like, we beat Utah twice, and I think in the metrics consensus, like, at, at one point, I think they were number 14 in the consensus. And Wazoo was in the, their, I think they finished this year 19 or 20 in the metrics consensus. So, if we're just talking about the quality of teams that we defeated, I mean, last year, Jimmy, our best win was... Utah, and they were like 37 in the metrics consensus. 
So, I mean, we, we, we didn't have that many opportunities last year because we played a very weak schedule. But, I mean, this even though this season really was a little underwhelming until the very end of it, I mean, we still beat Utah twice at neutral or road sites. We beat Wazoo on the road. They're a top 20 team. Um, and we beat Stanford, who I think is a, they're a top 25 in the metric consensus. So, yeah, I mean, it was a little underwhelming, but there's some good quality wins this season. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think... But the real the real key is in the last three years, I mean, we haven't beaten a top 10 team in the metrics. Yeah. Um, and, you know, obviously the Oregon game was disappointing and the Cal loss were... I mean, those were just... Honestly, I mean, they were just frustrating losses. I mean, they're, yeah. they're losses that didn't need to happen. Um, so I think that, you know, kind of mars... You know, some of the some of the wins, or you know the the look of the overall season, but obviously um, winning winning the Pac-12 and getting to the Rose Bowl is, is certainly uh, a, a, a nice consolation to the season by by leaps and bounds. Yeah, all, I mean, all is forgiven. Yeah, if we can't make the playoff. We got to make the Rose Bowl. That's exactly right. That's what we expect. That's all the questions. That's it, huh? Yeah. Anything uh, Anything else you want to add? Anything else I want to add, Husky-related? Uh, you, you got out the first half where we, we kind of bagged on, on marketing and uh, those those things, right? Covered yeah, those. Let's, let's, let's sum it up. Okay. Number one, Softy and anybody else, like numerous posters on Dogman, who thinks Sark should be given any credit or had anything to do with Chris Peterson's team making the Rose Bowl this year or the team two years ago? Just seriously, stop. Yeah, it, You're just, it's not stop. It, it really does. I mean, it's just, it, it's embarrassing. It's, it's truly embarrassing. And secondly, the athletic department, people need to stop giving Jen Cohen praise for things that she didn't do. <laughs> and we need to see a real strategy there as far as connecting with the fans, doing a better job of the game day experience, and fixing our brand because we don't like we don't have a brand. We don't yeah. promote purple that much. No. They gotta work I mean that's real important stuff. I mean that we're we're lucky that we have Peterson. And we have a flourishing football program. If not for that, if we, I mean, if, you know, we hired Nussmeyer, we still had Sark, nobody would have a fucking clue. Oh, man. Could you imagine if Sark... Yeah, I mean, the, the media would still be talking about how Sark is the greatest play caller that in, in the history of man, even <laughs> even though we will have been a six and seven win team for like 10 straight years. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And third, <laughs> third, recruiting is kicking fucking ass but yeah. let's, let's hope we close strong and, and, and get three or those three or four of those last four guys now it comes down to we need to get high Mooley. it sounds like we will get him and then kyle ford well yeah let's you know oof let's not get too far ahead of ourselves here i'm with you though i'm with you 
Yeah, let's get it done. Yeah, recruiting matters. I mean, Jimmy, just think about this. Byron matters. Yeah, Byron Murphy is why we won that game. That that game, the Pac-12 championship. Oh, you mean uh, just the fluke interception that Salk likes to mention? Yes, but, but when 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 there's close games like that, you need the team with the best players. They're more likely to make a play that's going to win the game. I mean, Utah. I thought they played a heck of a game. You know, good for them. They were a little undermanned on offense, but their defense really, I thought, was very impressive. But you know, they didn't they didn't have the playmakers like we did on defense. You know, Byron Murphy making that play, Jordan Miller getting a pick, you know, Murphy getting a second pick. That uh, Byron Murphy, remember, we interviewed Jimmy Lake. I think the day that we got Murphy to you know send in his uh, fax in his letter of intent. I mean, early that morning he was thinking of flipping and staying home. Oof! Could you imagine? I mean, re- recruiting matters. We got to be greedy. We got to get every fucking guy that we can get, and it, it looks like we're doing that in this class. Let's keep. Level let's le- yes, exactly. Level the fuck up. I mean, next class, let's even let's even kill it more. Yeah, well, I'm not gonna argue with you, man. Bring it, dog life, buddy. Dog life. Dog life, brother. All right. Well, I got to study for my fantasy football playoffs. <laughs> All right. I got a cheesecake waiting for me. <laughs> okay. Well. <laughs> and then I got to take my melatonin and go to bed. But you should take melatonin two hours before you go to bed. So you pretty, probably should have already taken it. Two hours? Oh, yeah, man. don't, don't, yeah, you got to take it two hours before you go to bed. I guess an hour is okay. Yeah, I thought, I thought I could get away with an hour, but. Yeah, because it'll, it'll make you, it'll make it a little difficult to wake up in the morning. Oh, man. Because it helps you, it helps you sleep. It doesn't necessarily help you fall asleep. I mean, it can, but it's more about helping you sleep. Should we do a pod? Should we do an off-topic pod? We can talk about serotonin. Serotonin or melatonin? I'm sorry, melatonin. (laughs) We could talk about melatonin, steaks, burgers, cheese, eating cheesecake, boxer briefs. Your 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 wine and restaurant recommendations. Cars. I'm sure we'd get at least a few listeners. <laughs> uh, good veggie spots if you're a vegetarian. Vegans. Talk about vegans. We can talk about... what. <laughs> we, can, we, can, we can talk about dogs. Wait, you mean dogs like the Huskies or, or pet dogs? Pet pet dogs and dog cats. Yeah, dogs are awesome. Man's best friend. That's right. Yeah, we can we can get into we can get into culture, pop culture, the uh, the effects of social media. You can, you could rant about millennials. Oh, I could go I could go for days on millennials. <laughs> Did you see? I don't know when this came out, but I was watching it recently uh, on YouTube. Um, the Seth MacFarlane, the Family Guy. You yeah, got, you gotta just type in like Family Guy millennials. He had an old episode about millennials, and it was just—I mean, it was—it was brilliant. It was hilarious. Oh I'll, yeah, I'll check it out. I'm sure. <laughs> you're, you're gonna love it. You go watch it right now. All right, I'll put me to bed. Yeah. 
All right, dog fans. Well, hey, remember, everybody wear purple or you risk getting punched in the face at the Rose Bowl. Yeah, got to wear purple. You got to wear purple. And if you bump into Softy, remind them that Pete can recruit in the Pac-10. And that Sark doesn't give a fuck about him. And he can stop fluffing Sark. Yeah, please, please, for the love of God, stop fluffing Sark. There's nothing good that can come out of that. All right, we got to shut this down. I got to take my Metamucil and eat my cheesecake. All right, okay. Later. All right, on that note, everybody, thanks so much for tuning in. We'll hopefully do another pod next week after the early signing day. And uh, go dogs. Go dogs.